0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, who leads? Hope for the best. And how about this stat about Lindstrom? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So I ask a simple question, and I want you to leave a comment down in the comment section and let us know what the answer is. Who leads the Falcons in touchdowns this year? And who leads them in sacks this year? So two things that I'm looking at very intensely. One is who's going to be our red zone threat where we get to a 67% red zone touchdown percentage to make us one of the elite teams in the in the red zone. And obviously, I'm always watching to see who's going to be the guy that's going to lead this team or find a way to get to double digits in sacks. So. On the touchdown side of it. And I'm going to answer it with the two things that I think are maybe not sexy, but they're the guys that have to do it. Not who, not even necessarily who I may think does it or who I want to do it, but the two guys that I think have to do these things. Number one is in the touchdown department, it's Kyle Pitts. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say Bijan Robinson because of all the different things that he's going to do in this and the other. But if we're really going to get, and, and we've talked a bunch about this, if our offense is going to get to where we need to be and we're going to be a dominant red zone team and we're going to be a team that can score, say, 26 to 28 points, we're going to have to have that figure out of Kyle Pitts. And again, this has got to be his breakout season. You know, I don't, again, I, I, I say Travis Kelsey in the sense of he's got to have that kind of impact. You know, again, 100 catches or 1,400 yards, dozen touchdowns. He's got to have that kind of impact for this team. So if he can be that kind of player and he can live up to the expectation that we set for him, then everything's going to be good for our offense no matter what, because, again, I do think that there's a chance for multiples of guys to accumulate several touchdowns, right? Algier can get us a bunch of touchdowns, B. John Robinson, obviously, and I know that that's the sexy answer, you know, for this. But I need Kyle Pitts to be the guy that's the red zone threat and leads this team in touchdowns, and he's my primary weapon, and he becomes a dominant force on the field. Because, again, if we're not – if we're not getting Travis Kelsey out of all of this then when did why did we pick him number 4 why did we pass on some of the guys that we passed on to pick this guy and again i'm not telling you he's not a, he's a bad player or anything like that but at some point the expectation has to pay off right there there i mean again we can have all the expectations in the world but at some point it has to pay itself off in all of this so i think Kyle Pitts is the is the guy that needs to lead this team in touchdowns now i I certainly can make a case for John robinson but if kyle pitts is only a four touchdown player i don't know that our offense gets to where it needs to be i don't know that our offense can get to that next step and take that next step forward and get to that next level if kyle pitts is the same old kind of player that he is well 1026 yards but two touchdowns to go along with it that's not impacting the game that, that's not giving us enough impact on our offensive side of the game. So on the let's flip it over to the defensive side now. So who do I think leads the team in sacks? I think it's got to be Arnold Nebuchadnezzar. Because if he can't become that guy that comes off the edge and gives us whatever, eight, 10, 12 sacks, <clears throat> if he can't develop into that guy, then I don't know where we're going to be defensively. Now, there could be cases made for Kaden Ellis or Calais Campbell and, I, again, I, Grady Jarrett, Onyemata, whatever, okay? But if Arnold Katie isn't that guy that we can trust to come off the end, get to the quarterback, and consistently pressure the quarterback, I don't know where we're going to be defensively. I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think that we – can accumulate enough sacks and influence the game enough on the defensive line that we can afford to have, you know, well, you know, there's going to be seven guys that accumulate six sacks. Like, I don't see that. And that doesn't usually happen in the NFL. There's, I mean, when you're a high sack team, there's usually a, there's usually a guy that is a, is a linchpin or a fire breather that comes off that edge that makes things happen. You know, again, even for the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, whether you're Chris Jones or, you know, Josh Hagedone, or sorry, Josh, uh, um, uh, the, 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 uh, oh, Devon Har- uh, Javon Hargrave. Yeah. You know, again, I forget, forget the name of him. But, but again, Hargrave or somebody like that, there's usually always that guy that comes off the edge to be able to be a fire breather or, you know, a guy that can blow up the interior of your, you know, line and like a, 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 a Armstead. Right. He's a double-digit sack guy. Or Aaron Donald, you know, let's use the let's use the extreme example. But there's usually got to be somebody that leads the way on that, where everybody kind of benefits off of him. And I think Ebba has to be that guy. So this may not be a list that you know I necessarily want or, or think that can be this way. But if we're going to get offensively and defensively where we want to be. I think the answer is Pitts and Katie. As far as Pitts scoring the most touchdowns for this team and Katie leading this team in sacks. And both guys obviously have a world of potential. You know, now we just need to see it. You know, we talk about Desmond Ritter only starting four games last year. I thought it was criminal that Katie only started one game last year. There was no reason not to have given him starts, especially toward the end of the season. If the same theory applied about, you know, Desmond Ritter taking over from Marcus Mariota and we were kind of out of the playoffs. There's no reason why Ebba shouldn't be start shouldn't have started more and get him more reps and get him more experience. It wasn't, you know, he didn't really play nearly as many, you know, percentage of snaps as guys like Lorenzo Carter did. So I'll be watching, you know, Eba to see what he does. He's been the guy that I've put the laser beams on and laser focus with. And again, the guy that I think needs to really make that biggest step forward. And then on the offensive side, again, can Kyle Pitts become that dominant player that we want? Can he become that Travis Kelsey type of player where he completely influences a game and you have to account for him at all times and and he becomes a dominant player, whether whether single coverage, double coverage, triple coverage, quadruple coverage, they put 16 guys on him at once. I don't really care. I just need those two guys at the end of the day to come up with some big-time numbers. And I think Pitts leads the team in touchdowns. Cady leads the team in sacks. And we'll see. But leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about who leads the team in touchdowns and in sacks when all is said and done for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, as you know, as we're betting on Major League Baseball here in the second half. And we're headed down the home stretch. Again, we're past the 100-game mark, almost heading to two-thirds of the way through the season. FanDuel has got you covered where you can get as much as $200 in bonus bets on FanDuel. That's right. You can bet $20 on FanDuel and land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or whether you lose. Uh, it's everything. Uh, sorry, $200 you can spend on everything from money lines to over-unders to who you think is going to be the first home run. And it's a safe, secure, super easy-to-use app. But the best part about FanDuel is that if you win – you get paid instantly. So no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So go today to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel's the official partner of Major League Baseball. So saw a uh, article about uh, DeJounte Murray uh, the other day where, and again, I don't do all the Insta snap and face grams and all these different kinds of things, but there was a, uh, I saw a post from DeJounte Murray, I guess, on his Instagram page. And this was uh, from a couple of days ago or from yesterday, perhaps. Um, So he said, uh, this was at 9.31 p.m. He said, uh, and it looked like he was in the uh, the training facility and all this. He said, uh, quote, I promise this is the best season of them all. Locked in fas- uh, for show. Um, and, and he got little emojis and different things like this. So, uh, again, he's obviously locked in and ready to go. And obviously he's got the big contract now. And we're expecting a whole lot. So. He says, you know, again, he's looking at having his best season ever. So what does a best season for DeJounte Murray look like? Okay. So last year was 20.5 points per game. His career high is 21.1. He had that in the 21-22 season. So the year before his last year in Portland, the year before he came to Atlanta, he had his highest scoring season ever. He also led the league in steals um, per game uh at two two steals per game uh that in that year as well. Um if you look from an assist total, his highest assist mark was that final year with the Spurs, 9.2 assists, and his highest rebounding year was the 8.3 uh rebounds that he had in that final year. So again, most everything that he did was his career high. Now, he only played 68 games, so that's a little bit disheartening that, you know, we need to make sure that we're at that 75 game marker what have you but 21.1 points, 2 steals per game, 9.2 assists, 8.3 uh, uh rebounds uh per game and he shot uh what 46.2% from the field. He actually shot better this season from the field overall and his three point percentage was actually better than what it was the year before. So do I think that Murray can get back to almost being a triple double? I mean, again, 21 points, nine is nine assists, eight rebounds. That's a pretty stout year. And if we can see even more of that from Murray, what he did in his final year, where I believe that he was also a second team all-defensive player, um, you know, again, I- I'm expecting big things out of DeJounte Murray. So... There should be a minimum twenty point expectation, seven or eight rebounds, seven or eight assists per night. And if he and Trey figure things out and and they come up with two monster seasons together, there's no reason why that this team can't get to where we need them to get. And we've talked about this a lot. I think Dejounte Murray was in a lot of ways the MVP of this club last year. Did did he did he lead the team in points scored or this that and the other? No. But if you look at winning basketball plays, I don't think there was a player on the roster that made more winning basketball plays, whether it was changing the game with a steal here, a rebound here, hitting a couple of free throws to ice a game, whatever. Hitting a mid-range jumper to kind of seal a victory, like whatever whatever it was. Nobody, I think, made more big basketball plays at winning basketball plays than DeJounte Murray last year. Now, again, everything is relative. I mean, you know, again, they they weren't a a very good franchise, but still, you know, the games they did win, DeJounte Murray had a big hand in all of that. So, again, I've talked about, I'm, I'm super excited for DeJounte Murray to be here. I'm glad that they didn't monkey around, but this is an indication where you don't have to worry about anything now but the basketball part of it, okay? And I think more than anything, That's what that Instagram post represents is the idea that now we've got all of this stuff behind us. Now now all of it, you know, the contract and trading him and this, that and the other, all of that kind of stuff is now behind DeJounte Murray. And he didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. And now he can focus a thousand percent on basketball. And I think that's the message. I I think that, again, he can say that he's going to have his best season and things like that. And he's locked in. And, and I appreciate that. And I, and I think that he, he is going to have a big season. But more importantly is the mindset, right? Mentally being able to focus on just the basketball part of things. Knowing that you have your contract. Knowing that you've got your guaranteed money. Knowing that you're going to be here with the Atlanta Hawks. Knowing that there's not going to be a chance that they're going to look to trade you either before the season starts or at the trade deadline. I don't see any of that, that happening. I mean, again, they didn't commit that kind of money to Murray to just move him in six months from now. So now he can focus on the basketball aspect of it, and now he can be locked in. And again, if if he can just focus on the basketball part of it, there's no reason for him not to have his best season. And And again, that was pretty much his final year in San Antonio where he became a all-star caliber player and I think second team, all defense and averaging 20 points and eight rebounds and nine assists. Like that's a really good year for, for a guard. I mean, if you're, if you're that good and you're, you're pushing toward a triple double uh, again, that's, that's rarefied air, right? So I'm expecting a lot from DeJounte Murray. I, I think the mindset is the most important thing about this, that, He's got a clear head and he's got a vision. And now he can just focus on the basketball aspect of things. And that is a really good sign. And that is obviously something that, again, as Hawks fans, we were wondering about what's going to be the future of DeJounte Murray. Is he going to be here through the season? Is he going to get traded before the year starts? Is it going to be a trade deadline type of deal? Is it going to be that he's going to want to sign an extension? Is it going to be he's going to become a free agent? Whatever the speculation was, all that's now done and over with, and it's behind us in the rearview mirror now. And I'm expecting a big year out of Jante Murray, and that can only mean good things for Trey Young, that he rubs off on Trey Young and vice versa, and they work together, and again, now they can focus on the basketball aspect of things with Quinn Snyder. Now they can become that dominant backcourt that we need them to be and hopefully lead us to a top, I don't know, 3-4 seed, in the Eastern conference when all is said and done as there's big changes in the East, hopefully that they can get us to a three, four seed and we can relax comfortably and not have to worry about, are we in the play in tournament or anything like that? All right. As you make hitting hard, your first listen, be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program we call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community. So we uh, want you to leave us a comment that you're an everydayer five days a week into the program. So how about this stat for Chris Lindstrom? And I uh, saw this from Pro Football Focus. So they they had their list of the one stat uh, to know for all 32 teams before the start of the uh, 2023 season. This was a fascinating stat for the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are built to run the football. They led the NFL uh, in team run blocking grade and finished fifth in rushing grade in 2022. Right guard Chris Lindstrom was the star of the show, ending 2022 with a league-best 95.0 overall grade. Further examination reveals that to be a historic figure. Chris Lindstrom's 95.0 overall grade is tied for the highest single season grade by a guard in the pro football focus era. Only Philadelphia's Evan Mathis in 2013 matched that mark. Aaron Rodgers, Trent Williams, and Hall of Famer Jonathan Ogden are the only other offensive players to play at least 200 snaps and finish a season with a 95 plus grade. Lindstrom may be the quietest superstar in the NFL. Well, look, um, if you ask me, um, there's nothing quiet about how much I love Chris Lindstrom. And there's nothing secretive about uh, all of this. I'm the biggest Chris Lindstrom fan. I think he's the best football player on the Atlanta Falcons and all the numbers start to back it up and show it. And when I tell you that this franchise needs more guys like Chris Lindstrom at the point of attack, at the point of influence on a football team, we need more of those players. You know, again, I can. I'm excited that London and Pitts and guys that play, you know, away from the you know point of the football are are good players. But you want to know why we're so good? You know, on our offensive line, it's guys like this. It's guys like Lindstrom, where you can influence the game heavily. Think about the players that that they mentioned in there, as the, the only the only three guys that had uh, that kind of grade as an offensive player: A. Aaron, Trent Williams, and Jonathan Ogden. Did they influence games? Were, were they able to influence a game more than a wide receiver, or a tight end, or a cornerback, or a safety, you know, or what have you? Yeah, of course. Of course you think Trent Williams think Trent Williams doesn't influence games as the best left tackle in all of football. Absolutely. He does. You don't think Jonathan Ogden was a guy that made Joe Flacco look better. Absolutely. He was, you think a Ron has been pretty good. Has he made the Packers into a good franchise? I mean, now he's going to make the jets into do a good franchise. You think he's an influence? Of course, you have to have guys at the point of influence that are dominant players. And that's what Lindstrom is. Lindstrom is a dominant player. And again, whether he's the quietest superstar or not, I don't know. I mean, other people can debate that besides me, because I don't think there's anything quiet about Chris Lindstrom. Again, watching him every day, watching him every week, seeing what he does makes guys around him better. I, I think he's definitely made Caleb McGarry a better right tackle standing next to him, and, and this is where we talk about, you know, again, we talked about Matt Hennessy has been taking first-team reps and things like that. If you have a dominant player and a Chris Lindstrom, that makes the people around you better, the guys that stand beside you much better. So, again, when you have a Chris Lindstrom, you can live with a Drew Dahlman, okay? You know, McGarry's a pretty good right tackle for what he does, you know, if you keep him in his you know, box of, you know, being able to just move forward and and grab hold of guys and move them where he wants. So if you've got McGarry and Lindstrom, you can afford to have a a Drew Dahlman who's, you know, again, not, not a premier center or whatever like that, but the problem becomes when you have another guy that stands next to him, that that becomes problematic. And again, the right side of our offensive line has been completely dominant. There's been no issues on the right-hand side of our offensive line. Everything is, as we go toward the left side, everything is, you know, with our center guard combination, that's where all the problems have been. And, and I don't want that to become a problem because again, when you have a guy like Lindstrom, you need more of those kinds of guys up front, right? And, and we need those kinds of players on our defensive side of the football to influence games. You know, the Aaron Donalds and the, and the Micah Parsons and the Nick Bosa's and the Miles Garrett's and, You know, Guys like that that can influence a football game. And Lindstrom is one of those guys that is just a dominant player. And and when you partner him up with McGarry and and you run to the right-hand side of our offensive line, you know that people are going to, you know, defenders are going to move backward. You know that we're going to be able to create and open up holes for our run game. And it all just kind of trickles down as to, well, why are we so successful? I mean, again, if we had... If we had Hennessy or Dalman on the right hand sides of our offensive line and we had three or four of those guys, you wouldn't be a good offensive line. Were, were the Falcons a good offensive line two years ago when they had Mayfield and Hennessy playing side by side? Were they good? No, of course not. Of course not. And then and asking Caleb McGarry to pass block, you know, more heavily. And Lindstrom is a do-it-all kind of player. He's a do-it-all. Pass block, run block, right? A couple of years ago he didn't allow a sack. You know, when Matt Ryan was getting sacked 48 times, he didn't allow a sack. Great in the run, great in the pass. We need more of those kinds of players at the point of attack, at the influential spots on our football field, right? We read you the quote from the general manager uh formerly of the Saints and what was the Dolphins former general manager about do they have enough bells and whistles? At impact spots at the football, you know, at the point of the football, do they have enough of those guys to influence a football game? That's why we need more Chris Lindstrom's. That's why that was a home run, you know, draft pick. You don't have guys like that that come along, but when you have the chance to get those kinds of guys, you have to take full advantage of it and you have to draft them. I don't care if it's a Sexy pick or not, I don't care if it's, you know, again, a a guy that's a center or a guard or whatever like that may not be sexy, but those guys are why you win football games. And that's the thing we've been missing. We have it on our offensive side of of the football, but it's the thing that we've been missing on the defensive side of the football. I think Grady Jarrett is a really good player, and he's as close as we have to being one of those types of guys but even he's not at that level. Even he's not quite there yet. Even he's not a guy that completely dominates and influences a game with sacks or what have you. Grady's as close as we've got to Lindstrom on our defensive side. But again, this is why you you draft guys like Chris Lindstrom, and this is why he's not just a great player, but he influences everything around what we do what we are playing personality is, what our identity is. It's a fascinating stat about Chris Lindstrom, and I didn't even know that, and I'm glad for Pro Football Focus for for putting that out there. Again, I'm the biggest Lindstrom fan that there is. That that was a home run uh, draft pick, and obviously he's here to stay for the long term. And again, you wonder why he's a $20 million a year guard. That's the reason why. That's the reason why when he's completely influencing a game and able to do everything that he does on that right hand side of the offensive line, and we can count on being able to always run and work that side of the line of scrimmage. He's that kind of player for us. We need more of those guys, and especially on our defensive side of the football. All right, we well, thank you so much for making hit and hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener. To the program. So we call them our everydayer. So we do thank you so much for being a part of the show five days a week. Let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them, five days a week listening in. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of hitting and Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the Serious XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.